Welcome to the Overcomer Podcast, the podcast that takes you inside the Word of God and reminds you that if you're in Christ, you are an overcomer. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So just sit back, relax, grab your Bible, and join me. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the Overcomer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing a very serious subject today. Find out what it is next. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year, and welcome back to the Overcomer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Gilbreth. We finally made it. We made it to the end of 2020 2020 is finally over and done with i hope that you're having a great fantastic new year's day i hope and pray that you had a great christmas and spent my christmas in quarantine um i was tested for covid on christmas eve and i tested positive and i've been in quarantine ever since i'm still in quarantine as i record this episode Um, But I won't be for very much longer. Uh, Today, Friday, January 1st, is actually my last day of quarantine. I'll be heading back uh, to work and getting back to my life uh, tomorrow, which is Saturday. I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. And uh, for those of you who prayed for me um, during my battle with coronavirus, I appreciate that. And uh, the Lord saw me through and I made it. And I'm doing just fine uh, by the grace of God. I thank God for that. But I, I kind of threw out a little teaser about today's episode. And I want to go ahead and say that it brings me no joy to talk about what I'm about to talk about in today's episode. This is something that has hit the news recently over the last week and a half, last two weeks. but. I know that just about every one of you out there have probably at least heard of the name of Ravi Zacharias. And Ravi Zacharias was a huge hero of mine. He taught me a lot, especially about how to defend the Christian faith and how to answer the skeptic. And there's things that I've taken with me things that Ravi Zacharias has taught me, things that Ravi Zacharias used to say all the time. Uh, He used to say stuff like, behind every question, there's a questioner. And that just simply means that, remember, behind every single question, every single skeptic, every single atheist that's out there that has a question or a criticism or something to say about Christianity, there's always a reason behind what they say. You know, many there there are many who have experienced hurt uh, by the church, and so it causes them to walk away uh, from the Christian faith. Uh, but behind every question, there's a questioner, and that's something Ravi used to say all the time. That stuck with me. Another thing that he used to say all the time is. 
when you cut off a person's nose, there's no point in giving them a rose to smell. In other words, be careful how you talk to skeptics. Be careful how you talk to the atheist or to whoever may have doubts about your faith. You don't want to insult them and then turn right around and try to give them the gospel because that that's just not that it's not going to work when you cut off you've already cut off their nose there's no point in giving them a rose to smell you've already insulted them you've already offended them and so they're automatically going to shut you out and they're not going to want to hear anything that you have to say that's another thing Ravi taught me that I've taken with me to this very day and many of you know that Ravi passed away uh, from cancer uh, not too long ago and uh, those of you that are friends with me on Facebook you know I did a whole post a whole tribute to Ravi Zacharias Ravi Zacharias is probably the biggest the most recognized world famous Christian name outside of Billy Graham and in the world of Evangelism you've got Billy Graham in the world of apologetics, there's Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias was one of the brilliant, if not the most brilliant, defense Christian faith. And I'm talking, I've devoured all of his content, his lectures, his debates, his interviews that he done with different people. He did an interview recently with Ben Sh And regardless of what you may think, that was a fantastic interview, and I thoroughly enjoyed that interview he did. He did another interview with Eric Metaxas. That interview, Ravi was just a brilliant man, somebody that I greatly looked up to and I admired. Ravi stood tall above everybody else in the 21st century, in my opinion, but that's why it pains me so much. And I hope that y'all just bear with me because this is very hard for me to talk about. I may choke up doing this episode because it's recently come to light. There's been allegations and I'm not going to spend this whole episode is not dedicated to, you know, the gossip factor about what happened with Ravi Zacharias. But for those of you who don't know, Ravi Zacharias has been the subject of a scandal and some things have come to light involving sexual misconduct. And I'm not going to go into all the details. I'm not going to spill all the tea. You can Google it. You can research it. You can pull up YouTube. And just about every single Christian YouTuber out there between Christians and atheists both have made videos about the Ravi Zacharias scandal. But allegations have come to light that are greatly disturbing. Ravi Zacharias and his RZIM, which is the ministry that Ravi founded that's run by his family, They've done an internal investigation, so all of what I'm about to say, it's not hearsay, it's not 
you know, a bunch of women trying to extort money. They're not trying to get famous or anything. This has been investigated by uh, internally by their own organization. It's been investigated externally. And Ravi Zacharias has been found guilty. Now, I will say this. Ravi is not around anymore to defend himself. So I want to go ahead and throw that out there. But he has been found guilty of multiple counts of sexual misconduct with many different women over the years. Ravi actually, and I didn't know this until these allegations came out, but come to find out, Ravi actually co-owned health spas in Atlanta. And that's where the alleged allegations happened uh, of sexual misconduct with many different women over the course of decades. This stuff was going on behind closed doors and just disturbing details. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to go into all the gross details about it. I'm not going to do that here. You can research it. You can read it. There's articles, there's videos, there's a whole lot of resources out there that go into detail of the allegations. But Ravi Zacharias comes to find out he's not the man that we thought he was. There was gross, immoral, sexual misconduct going on behind closed doors. There were women who were sexually abused by Ravi Zacharias. And I want to say this, this is not coming from somebody that has an axe to grind. Like I said, Ravi Zacharias was my hero and he was a lot of your heroes for many, many, many years. And I debated whether or not to even address the subject because I looked up to him, but not only that, I don't want to... I don't want to be guilty of gossip and I don't want to be guilty of slandering and airing out Ravi's dirty laundry publicly. The only reason I'm addressing this is because it's already been made public. It's already been put out there. Uh, even Ravi Zacharias International Ministry, RZIM, like I said, his own foundation has made it public. And they have admitted that Ravi Zacharias is guilty of all these allegations. And, you know, I've, like I said, I've been in quarantine since Christmas Eve. I've been in quarantine since last Thursday. So I've had a lot of free time. I've had a lot of time on my hands. And, you know, I've, I've watched a whole bunch of videos from all different kinds of YouTube channels, whether they be Christians or whether they be atheists. I'm talking everybody who has a YouTube channel has spoken out on this issue, which is another reason why I debated whether or not to even talk about it because so much has already been said. But I want to go to the scripture and I want to give you just a few things and I'm going to try my best you know, not to drag this out. I'm going to try my best not to be long-winded in this episode. 
I just want to give you some thoughts. I want to give you something from scripture. And then I want to give you my personal take, my takeaways from this scandal. Cause there's things that we can, we can learn from this. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter six. And I'm going to read verses one through five, but my thoughts are going to come from verse one. I'm only going to focus on verse one, but I want to read Galatians six verses one through five. And with all the YouTube videos, all the Christian YouTube videos I've seen addressing the Ravi situation, I have yet to hear one person approach it from this angle. So I want to approach it from a different angle. Galatians chapter 6 in verse 1. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Consider in thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now listen to these next two verses. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Well, let me keep reading. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now I want to back up to verse 1. Because there's three words in Galatians 6.1 that I want to bring out. That I want to draw out of the verse and bring it to your attention. Because I believe that this applies not only to the Ravi situation. But it can apply to any person in your life that has a moral failing anybody that you know has a position of power and I almost hate to even use that term anybody that's in a position of authority anybody that you greatly looked up to that that fell into sin that fell away from God I want to give you three things from verse 1 this can apply not only to the Ravi situation, but in any situation. The very first word I want to bring to your attention is the word overtaken. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Paul is writing the book of Galatians, the epistle to the Galatians. He's writing it to the Galatians. I want to kind of give you the broad context of Galatians before I get into this teaching. Paul is writing to the Galatians because they went after a false gospel pretty much. Paul founded the church at Galatia 
and they've been bewitched. They've been, they've been led astray. These Judaizers had crept in, and they were teaching another gospel. They were preaching another Jesus. Paul even says in chapter 1, he said, I marvel that your soul soon moved away from the gospel. He said, if though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that which you have received, let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, let him be accursed. The Galatians were going after a legalistic form of religion. They said, you know what? It's not Christ alone. It's not faith alone. You've got to add works. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. If you want to believe in Christ, that's fine. Hey, if you want to believe the, the gospel that Paul preached, that's fine. But you've got to be circumcised and you've got to keep the law and you've got to do all. They, they kept adding all these works to salvation. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians to address that fact. He says, look, it's not by the works of the law. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. And I could go off on a tangent and I could preach there for a little while. But that's the context of the book of Galatians. And when you come to the end of chapter five, he's addressing. He says, look. Don't bite and devour one another. Because if so, you'll be consumed of one another. And then he, he lists at the end of chapter 5 the works of the flesh. And he said, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And he concludes chapter 5. By saying, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. He's addressing conflict between the brethren. He says, look, if you walk after the flesh, you're not going to please God. You're acting just like the world that's going to hell in a handbasket. They that are Christ, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Don't be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. That has no place in a church. It has no place in the life of a believer. Then he goes on in light of that. He goes on to say, brethren, he's talking to Christians. This is not addressed to unbelievers. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken. And that word overtaken is an interesting word because it means to take beforehand. If you're into doing word studies, I encourage you to do this on your own. Check me on all this. The word overtaken in that verse means to take beforehand. To be taken before one can flee or conceal his crime. Now, how about that? I want to read that again. It means to take beforehand, to be taken before one can flee or conceal his crime. In other words, when somebody commits a crime, that, that sin has overtaken them 
before they can flee away. It's the imagery of somebody getting so close to sin. Boy, don't miss this. There's warnings in this. To get so close to the fire, and before you know it, that fire snatches you. That fire overtakes you before you even have time to blink. And that's what this word is saying. If a man be overtaken in a fault, and that word fault means, it literally means a sidestep, a side slip, to fall beside, to lapse, to deviate from the truth, to slip into sin, to sidestep the truth. If any man be overtaken in a fault, notice it didn't say overtaken by a fault. It said be overtaken in a fault. He gets so close to the fire, that fire just overtakes him. You get so close to an enemy. You get so close to that lion, that roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You get so close. You just, he pounces. You fall prey. And before long, you've deviated from the truth before you even know what hits you before you can even have time to blink, before you have time to think, before you even have time to conceal your crime. And you know what? I thought about I thought about Ravi when I read that definition. You know, Ravi was taken, and I know this is not talking about death, but you know what? Ravi was taken from this earth before he had a chance to flee, before he had a chance to conceal his crime. Ravi, and there were scandals that came up before his death. The worst of it's come out since he's been gone. And you know what? I thought about I thought about James chapter 1. And if you have your Bible handy with you, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. Because I believe that this further illustrates the idea of being overtaken. James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So James is warning us. He said in verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. You can't blame it on God. When you fall into sin, you can't say, you can't turn around and point the finger at God. And say, well, God, this is your fault. You know, this temptation come my way because of you. You know, Adam did that in the garden. He said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she tempted me and I did eat. Adam tried to blame it on God. And you know what? That's human nature. We don't want to take responsibility for our own actions. We want to point the finger and blame somebody else. And a lot of times for a Christian the Bible is making it clear and it's making it plain. If you fall into temptation, you cannot blame it on God. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, 
neither tempteth he any man. God will not tempt you to sin. Now, God will allow temptation to come into your life, but he's not going to tempt you to sin. That temptation did not come from God. Now, listen to verse 14, James 1, 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And that word drawn away and enticed, both of those words, it has the imagery of being hunted or hunting. To be drawn away, it's to be lured away. Kind of like whenever you hunt and whenever you fish, you have to lure the prey. You know, the, like whenever you go fishing, you, you use a, a fishing lure. You cast it, and you're trying to lure that fish out of its hiding place so it'll take the bait. That's what being drawn away means. And I'll say this much, the devil knows exactly what makes you tick. I wish I could, I wish I could hear somebody give me an amen. The devil knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes me tick. He knew what made Ravi Zacharias tick. Ravi Zacharias' weakness was women. It was sexual immorality. And I'm going to tell you something. If, you, if that is your weakness and if that is your area of weakness, the devil is going to throw some lures at you. And he's going to try to draw you away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He's going to dress it up and make it look so appealing and so attractive. And you're going to be lured away. I want to say this. If the devil can lure you out of church, he's going to lure you out of church. If he can lure you away from the Bible, he's going to lure you away from the Bible. And he knows exactly what buttons to push. And he knows exactly what lure to throw at you to, to draw you away. This is a warning. We're being warned in this episode. It lured to be lured out of its hiding place. And then he's drawn away of his own lust. Now there there's the key. He is drawn away of his own lust. What is the lure? It's your lust, your desire. That word lust means desire. Whatever whatever makes you burn. That's the lure the devil is going to use to draw you away, to lure you away. And then that word enticed means the prey has been caught to entrap, to be caught by bait. The devil throws the lure at you and you take the bait. You're caught. May I say you're overtaken. And you see, that's exactly what Galatians 6.1 is talking about to be overtaken in a fault, to be snatched. And I'm talking before you even have time to realize what's going on. That's why it's very important and it's very, it's very important and it's urgent for you and I who are Christians to watch and be sober. Because if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves being lured away and we're going to find ourselves being entrapped. We're going to find ourselves giving in to temptation. That's how marriages have ended. That's how churches have split. That's how pastors have gotten out of the ministry. 
because the devil lured them away and they took the bait. The Bible is warning us. It doesn't matter who you are. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I'm going to say this. No one's above it. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you may think you are. I don't care how spiritual you may think you are. No one is above giving in to temptation. No one is above falling into sin. Even the ones that you look up to the most, the ones that I look up to the most. And I'll say this, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll say this too. You and I are not above it. Don't look at Ravi Zacharias and the sin he committed and get puffed up with pride and say, that'll never be me. Don't look at that pastor that committed adultery or got involved with pornography or whatever and say, that'll never be me. It could very easily be you. And if you're not careful, you'll be next. Don't be overtaken. Stay away from sin. That's why the Bible said abstain from all appearances of evil. If you play with fire, the book of Proverbs says, can a man walk on hot coals and not be burned? Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? That's a rhetorical question. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Don't even play with fire. So the first word I wanted you to see was overtaken. The second word is the word restore. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Now, obviously, Ravi Zacharias is already gone. He can't be restored. He's already died. He's passed away. But I want to say this. This is a lesson for those of us that are still here. That word restore means to mend, to repair what was broken. To mend, to repair, to complete, or to restore what has been broken. When somebody falls into sin, something, something's broken. When a church member falls into sin, that trust has been broken. That communion, that fellowship has been broken. There, there's a disconnect. And I'll say this, if somebody falls into sin, restore such a one. But you know what? There's a caveat. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, in the spirit of humility. If you're going to mend or repair, if you're going to go to a fallen brother or a fallen sister to mend or repair that relationship and to try to point them back to God. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it. And this is where I fall out with many that are in these pharisaical movements within Christianity because it's all about pointing the finger and it's all about, look at what so-and-so did. Look at what that person did. Look at what that preacher did. How terrible. They're a terrible person. I can't believe they would do that. Bless God, I'll never do that. That'll never be me. And I'm talking about they use the Bible and they use their platform to beat these people over the head. 
I want to say this. That's the wrong way to go about it. You know, a lot of times we approach a fallen brother or a fallen sister that's failing to sin, and I've been guilty of it. I've done it myself. We get self-righteous within ourselves, and we go to that person to try to mend and repair what was broken. We have the right intentions, but we go about it the wrong way. We go to that person with the intention of showing them that they're wrong. I got news for you. If they're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives within them, they already know they're in the wrong. They know it. I don't have to go to a, a fallen Christian and say, you're in the wrong. How dare you do what you just did and just point my finger in their face. You know what? If I come to them in that way, it goes back to what I said. You cut off a person's nose, there's no point in giving them a rose to smell, to use a Ravi expression. You can't go to that person with the intention of biting their head off for what they've done. Because then that, that relationship gets even more broken. They don't want to hear anything you have to say. And nine times out of ten, you approach somebody that way, they're not only going to shut you out, they're going to shut the church out. They're not going to care what you have to say. They're not going to care what the Bible has to say. They're not going to care what God has to say. People like that are the type that will never want to darken the door of a church again. And you know what? One thing I've learned in dealing with people, whether they be a fallen Christian or whether they or whether they're not even a Christian at all. It's not my job. Now, it is my job to stand on truth. It is my job as a preacher to preach the Bible, to preach the truth. And I will do that, and I do my best to do that. But you know what? When you're dealing with people, you catch a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I'm not talking about condoning what they're doing. I'm not talking about condoning sin. I'm talking about showing love and showing compassion. The spirit of meekness, the spirit of humility. Be humble in dealing with these people. Don't, don't come to them with a preconceived notion, a preconceived idea that, well, that'll never be me, and I'm on a higher spiritual plane than they are, and I'm going to show them the error of their ways. Look, you're not the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to do that. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And when I studied this and was reading this, I asked myself the question, what's a biblical example of that? And then I immediately thought about John chapter 21. So if you have your Bible open, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 21. And we all know the story of Peter, the Apostle Peter, who denied the Lord three times. And we're going to talk about Peter again in my next point, or a little bit later on. But John chapter 21 and verse 15, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, 
Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now what's, what is so significant about those verses? And that was John 21, 15 through 17. Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? I mean, that's, the, that's what he was saying. Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. Now, why in the world would Jesus ask Peter, who was a part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, why would Jesus ask Peter, do you love me three times? Because Peter had denied the Lord three times. And I want to say this. If you back up to the first part of this chapter, Peter is in a backslidden condition. Okay, he denied the Lord three times. I know not the man. Began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And then Jesus dies. And in their minds, all hope is gone. You know, they said, I'm going fishing. They hop in the boat, they go fishing. They go back to their old way of life. Peter's in a backslidden condition. And yet, when Jesus interacts with Peter, Jesus does not say, Peter, why did you deny me three times? How could you do such a thing? How dare you? You're, you're so stupid. You're an idiot. Why would you do that? It's not what he does. Y'all excuse me one second. <coughs> Still battling this thing. But he didn't say, Peter... How could you be such a dummy? How how dare you? I thought you were my disciple. How could you do? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, and a lot of times when you read dialogue in the scriptures, there's times where just the tone just resonates. And whenever I read of Jesus saying, Lovest thou me? I can hear the tone in his voice. You know, I can hear the Lord Jesus Christ just in a soft, sweet, compassionate tone in his voice asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And then Peter says, well, Lord, of course I love you. You know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Now, what is Jesus doing? He confronted Peter in a loving, compassionate, humble kind of a way without throwing his sin in his face in a compassionate tone. Peter, do you love me? And then not only that, Jesus is restoring Peter. He's recommissioning Peter. Feed my sheep. He says it. Feed my lambs in verse 15. Feed my sheep, verse 16. Feed my sheep, verse 17. And in verse 19, he says, follow me. And then when you go to the book of Acts, we find Peter preaching the first sermon of the Christian church on the day of Pentecost. And you see, that's how, that's how we ought to be. You know, you're not going to win anybody by saying, you stupid idiot, how could you do that? How could you fall? 
Now, I'm not saying don't confront people about their sin. It is there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And if you come to them judgmental and haughty, they're not going to listen to you. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Jesus modeled that for us. And we ought to take heed to that. Then the third and final word is the word considering. The last thing I want to talk about is actually considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That word considering means to look at, to observe, to contemplate, to mark, to take a long, hard look at yourself. But it also carries the idea of being a, a watchman on a wall to, to look out for something. You know, I thought about Genesis 4, verse 7, when God said to Cain, If thou doest not well, sin life at the door. You better consider yourself. You better be a watchman on the wall for yourself. Because if not, sin will creep in. And before long, you're going to fall prey. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 22. And this will be our final our final scripture reference of the episode. Luke 22 and verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now he's talking to Peter. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Oh, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll go all the way. I'll, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison. I'll fight for you. That'll never be me. That was Peter's attitude. Jesus said, Simon. Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And what happened? When push came to shove, Peter denied the Lord three times. He wasn't considering his self. And I want to say this. Peter never thought that he would have denied the Lord three times. But you know what? He did. I'm sure David never thought that he would commit adultery with Bathsheba. But it happened. When Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, you know, Lot probably never imagined that he would have to get out because of God's judgment. You know, a lot of times, a lot of great men, and I want to say this about Ravi. I'm sure that Ravi never would have thought that he would end up falling into the sin and the bondage that he was in. Because this was a repeated pattern his whole entire life. I'm sure Ravi never would have thought that he would that his legacy would be tarnished because of personal sin that went on behind closed doors. And so this leads me into this leads me into my final thoughts. You know, what can we take away? And I've, I've, I've thought about this. 
what can we take away from the Ravi situation? And I jotted these down. The very first takeaway is that nobody's perfect. All men will fail you. It's not a matter of if they will fail you or if they will disappoint you. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You know, there's been times in my life where, and I'm just talking from the heart, you know, there's times in my past where I've let people down. There's times I've let myself down. People will disappoint you. You know, and no one's above it. Robbie Zacharias was a, a fallen human being just like we are. You better make sure your faith is not in a man. See, man will fail you. Jesus Christ will never fail you. The second thing is that his message is not negated. And what I mean by that is I saw a video by atheist and he said, well, you see there the most outspoken, the most famous Christian, the, the one who defended Christianity, not even he lived up to what he preached. So his message is invalidated. Christianity's false. You know what? That's, that's not true. Just because Ravi didn't live up to the message he proclaimed, it does not mean the message he proclaimed wasn't true. You know, Peter denied the Lord three times, but that didn't diminish the fact that Jesus is Lord, okay? Never, never judge Christianity, the truthfulness of Christianity, on the actions of a few men. And then I thought about this. Christianity does not hinge on Ravi Zacharias or any apologist or any Christian. Christianity hinges on Jesus Christ. Just because Ravi didn't live up to what he preached, it doesn't mean that Christianity is not true. It just simply means that Ravi was a sinful human being like all the rest of us. But the message does not, the message of Christianity is not negated just because a few didn't live up to the standard. Don't let it shake your faith. And then the third thing, this goes along with what I just talked about. Watch your life. Because whether it's fair, whether it's not fair, people's opinion of God and people's opinion of Christianity. The truthfulness of Christianity does not hinge upon us or the way we live. But the effectiveness of it does. The world wants to see a genuine Christian. They want to see somebody that lives up. And I want to say this, I'm not perfect by any stretch. I failed. I've let people down. I'm sure in the past I've had people look at me and, you know, 
decide Christianity's not for them. And I'll I'll answer to God for that. You know, I, I, there's decisions I've made in my past I regret, okay? But I want to say this. We better watch our lives. Because if we don't, if we don't realize that, if we don't watch our own lives, somebody else is. And it could be the difference between somebody getting saved and somebody totally rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. So nobody's perfect. We're all human. We're all going to fail. The truthfulness of the message is not negated just because of this. And then thirdly, we need to watch our lives because of other people are. And also this, our moral failings give the world ammunition. It gives the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. And it's happening right now because of the Ravi Zacharias scandal. So that's today's episode. Like I said, this wasn't a pleasant subject. This isn't something that I enjoy talking about. And I know this is kind of an odd way to to kick off the new year. But this is something that's been weighing heavy on me these last couple of weeks that I've I've been in quarantine. And I've had a lot of time to think. And I've had a lot of time to pray. And I believe that it's imperative for us. Here's the main takeaway. If you're a Christian, here's the main takeaway. Watch your life. Be careful. Because it could very well be you. You could be next. I could be next. And I ain't going to lie, there were times where it was almost me. We need to be careful. And then if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, look, don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, just because Robbie Zacharias, who's the most world-renowned apologist, he fell into sin. But I want to say this. Nobody's perfect, and we're all going to sin. We're all going to fall. The truthfulness of Christianity, the truthfulness of the gospel, is not dependent upon the Christian. It's it's dependent upon the reality of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's today's episode. I hope that you got something out of it. And good Lord willing, I'll be back with you next Friday. Good Lord willing. The Overcomer Podcast, 2021. We're in for a great new year. And I hope that you'll tune in and listen to me. You have a good day. Happy New Year. God bless you. This has been the Overcomer Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me. And I hope and I pray that you'll tune in next Friday for an all-new episode of the Overcomer Podcast. Remember, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us.